0: Tonight. I am your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. You are tuned to the Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting and on KHFX 1140 AM. So once again, thank you so much for joining us tonight. And tonight, we are going to examine an interesting concept called terror by proxy. And what on earth do I mean by that? Well, I have some stories lined up for you that will rock your socks off with truth and information, because there is an organization... That is just one example of this uh, greater theme of terror by proxy that is gradually working its way into the news, but uh, of course the spin that the establishment mainstream media is trying to put on it is just in-your-face ridiculous Orwellian doublespeak. So we're going to peel back the layers of that doublespeak tonight and take a look at the reality underneath. It's a grisly one, and it is the exact way that this propaganda system works. So I think we're going to look at one specific example of this idea of terror by proxy, and unmask the whole system and the way it works. And uh, that's going to be the first half of tonight's broadcast. Of course, it is Thursday night, so you know the routine by now. In the second half of tonight's broadcast, we're going to bring up James M. Pilato of foodworldorder.com to go over all the latest food, health, and environment stories from around the world. And since it's Thursday, of course, there will be open lines in the first half of the broadcast. Anything you want to get in and talk about tonight, 1-800-313-9443. But as I was saying, we are going to be talking about terror by proxy. And yes, that's pretty much what it sounds like. It's the idea of not doing a terrorist uh, action or or committing a terrorist act yourself, but using a proxy group, a puppet group, a a cutout in order to do your dirty work for you. And basically the entire theme and idea of this can be garnered from an uh, article from the Fars News Agency, yes, the official Iranian news agency, from uh, January of this year, Israeli source, assassin, assassination of Iranian scientists, joint operation by Mossad, MKO. And uh, for those of you who can cast your minds back to January, you might remember that earlier this year, there was a nuclear scientist uh, involved with the Iranian nuclear program, who was murdered in cold blood in the streets of Tehran, uh, a bomb planted on his car by a speeding motorcycle, and that was reported on briefly at the time, and then, swept back under the carpet, because it's one of those stories that doesn't quite fit in with the whole idea that the Iranians are the scary ones, and they're the source and the font of all evil on this planet. And uh, who was the one who was assassinating their nuclear scientists? Oh, let's not talk about that. Let's let's distract you with the latest celebrity garbage. So we're going to delve back into that story, because this is, I think, an important aspect of the way the entire system operates We tend to get into the thinking of when these types of events, these assassinations or whatever type of spectacular event happens, we tend to think, well, obviously it is Israel, it is the U.S., it is these NATO countries that have signed on to evil and just completely, absolutely sold themselves over to the system so that they will commit these terrorist acts. But it's not quite as simple as that. And it's in the details. The devil is in the details. We have to understand how these operations work. And, of course, it's not the actual agents being on the ground, you know, driving their motorcycles around, planting the bombs. Of course they get their puppets and cutouts to do their dirty work for them, and they're puppeteering various groups. This is the Brzezinski strategy. And anyone who doesn't know as big new Brzezinski by now really has to do their research. And unfortunately, it can be difficult because it's difficult just to spell his name. But if you uh, need help with that, just go to the show notes for tonight's episode, corporatereport.com radio, to start reading up on Brzezinski and his idea of puppeteering different groups against each other so that you don't even have to get involved directly. You don't have to put your boots on the ground. You don't have to put your men in harm's way. You don't have to get your fingers or your hands dirty. You let them do it for you and then you let uh, the blame, if it ever comes, come on them, not on you. So it's, uh, it's just another aspect of the whole mind control system that they use to try to keep us constantly directed towards the wrong targets and not really look at what's really happening. But tonight we're going to start unmasking this MKO or M-E-K organization, what's, what's really behind it and, and who's really pulling its strings. So let's stay tuned right there. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. James Corbett of CorbettReport.com coming to you tonight, as every night, all the way from the sunny climes of western Japan. So, once again, thank you so much for tuning in tonight as we go through Terror by Proxy, the idea of puppeteering various terror groups to use them to fight against the other groups that you want to demolish. And this should not be a very hard concept for people to grasp, as we've seen it used Oh, so many times, even within our lifetimes, when you look at, for example, how the wonderful Afghan freedom fighters that were praised as freedom fighters back by uh, Reagan back during the 80s when they were fighting against those darn Ruskies well, somehow, without really uh, knowing how that happened, somehow they transformed into the evil-bearded terrorist boogeymen of Al-Qaeda and the Taliban that we must now expend uh, billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars fighting, because uh, for some reason they, they seem to be as menacing as the Ruskies ever were and demand as much of the American military's attention or somehow, I don't, I don't quite understand how that works, but I think we all understand what's really behind that. Anyway, tonight we're looking at a different example of that exact same phenomenon about how a group can be supported, uh, d- despite the fact they're, they're, they're terrorist leanings, they can be supported by the, by Israel and the U.S. and the West generally, and uh, made to look like the freedom fighters in in the whole uh, sh- bang and, kid and boot caboodle. But when the layers are pe- peeled back, and as they get into power, and eventually they'll become the next boogeyman for the next stage of the game. And of course it's all about just keeping military forces in that region, keeping things stirred up, not let, letting anything stabilize, not letting a stable government ever come to power that actually seeks to do anything for its citizens. So in order to do that, they have to constantly be... F- taking these groups and, and stirring them up into a frenzy and directing them at uh, whoever's in power at the moment. And, of course, that's exactly what we see happening in Iran right now. And before the break, I was mentioning a very important story that I hope everyone will go and take a look at. Once again, corporatereport.com slash radio is where you can find the notes for all of these episodes of Corporate Report Radio. And uh, we're looking at an article titled Israeli Source, Assassination of Iranian Scientist Joint Operation by Mossad MKO. And it says, quote, Israeli sources confirmed that the terrorist attack which killed a senior Iranian scientist in Tehran on Wednesday was a joint operation carried out by the agents of the Israeli spy agency Mossad and the anti-Iran terrorist Mujahedini Calc Organization, MKO. My own confidential Israeli source confirms today murder was the wor- uh, today's murder was the work of the Mossad and MKO, as have been a number of previous op- operations I've reported here. Richard Silverstein, a senior Jewish-American journalist, said in his weblog named Tikkun al-Olam. And it goes on uh, in some detail to talk about that operation, which, again, many of you might remember from earlier this year, when uh, Masoud Ali Mohammadi was blown up right in the middle of the streets of Tehran on January 11, 2010. Sorry, that was uh, actually a a while ago now. Um, we're talking about the one that, that occurred earlier this year. I don't have the name of that scientist right off the top of my head here, but uh, but of course we've seen the assassination of a number of Iranian scientists in Tehran in recent years, and it's something that's been reported on in bits and pieces in the Western media, but never pieced together. And of course, one could imagine what the repercussions would be if American nuclear scientists were being blown up in the streets of Washington or or New York or Chicago or or California, or wherever, um, we can imagine what type of incredible headlines would be splashed across the pages of the uh, the New York Times and other such bastions of journalism every single day, until uh, whatever entity they wanted to blame for it was basically bombed off the face of the earth. But when it happens in Tehran, it's perfectly okay, especially when it's our guys who are uh, doing it. And our guys, in this case, refers to that MKO, the Mujahideen-e-Kalk Organization, and it's also referred to as the M-E-K, M-E-K, M-K-O, it's the same thing. That's somewhat confusing, so if you're looking for more information on this organization, you might find it under either of those headings. Some more information about the background of this group can be found, again, from Fars News Agency. You can find many sources, but let's just take this uh, this article from 2011. Muqtada Sadr reiterates Iraqi's demand for expulsion of M-K-O terrorists. And uh, some of the background of this group in the article, it says, quote, "...the group founded in the 1960s blended elements of Islamism and Stalinism and participated in the overthrow of the U.S.-backed Shah of Iran in 1979. Ahead of the revolution, the MKO conducted attacks and assassinations against both Iranian and Western targets." The group started assassination of the citizens and officials after the revolution in a bid to take control of the newly established Islamic Republic. It killed several of Iran's new leaders in the early years after the revolution, including the president, Mohammad Ali Re- Rajai, Prime Minister Mohammad Javad Bahonar, and the judiciary chief, Mohammad Hossein Beheshti, who were killed in bomb attacks by MKO members in 1981. The group fled to Iraq in 1986, where it was protected by Saddam Hussein, and where it helped the Iraqi dictator suppress Shiite and Kurd uprisings in the country. And on and on. This is a long history here of this organization and the way it's acted as the sword of various enemies of Iran to go against whatever administration they want to get rid of it's important to understand how the U.S. and uh, France and other outside powers were very much involved in Khomeini and the, uh, the overthrowing of the Shah, who was starting to question uh, the whole role of the West in, in Iran at that time and was starting to show signs of fighting back against his masters and uh, specifically calling out the Zionist influence against his government back in the 70s there. Well, they had to get rid of him, so they brought in Khomeini and the Islamic Revolution, and we yeah. know how they played ball with them uh, regarding that whole hostages, uh, terrorist uh, for ter- hostages for guns and all of that. So anyways, that's all part of that backstory. But amazingly enough, this terrorist organization, which is listed as a terrorist organization by the U.S. State Department, has some pretty influential backers in Washington who are lobbying hard to get this delisted. They want this group delisted as a terrorist organization because These are the freedom fighters. They're fighting against those dirty Iranians, so they're our guys, and we have to support them. And again, I'm not making this up. Uh, You can get all sorts of information on this. Let's turn to a clip from Fox News of all places where our old friend, Department of Homeland Security, ex-Chief Tom Ridge, was actually talking about this group as if it was such a great organization.
1: Secretary Ridge, I I just want to... to Define for our viewers what this is. This is a group called NEK, and as we understand it, they're people who are committed to a secular, democratic, and non-nuclear Iran. They sound important to Iran's future.
0: Uh, They they certainly are. Uh, This uh, designation has lasted for almost 15 years with the uh, naive hope that keeping them on the uh, terrorist uh, list uh, would uh, encourage Iran to uh, negotiate uh, with the United States around many, many issues. But the real terrorist organization frankly is the uh, the state of Iran. Uh it is the world's uh, leading exponent and exporter of terrorism. They're responsible I think for a lot of the destabilization and death not only in their own country but in the Middle East. And frankly these 3400 men and women at Camp Ashraf uh have been uh, vetted by the FBI and Justice back in 2003 and 2004. They found no evidence of any terrorist connections whatsoever. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Suffice it to say, they're our boys, and they're the freedom fighters against this Ahmadinejad regime. It's never a government when we're against it, by the way. Notice how that is. It's always a regime. And these are our boys who are doing the good work fighting against the those, those darn Iranians. And that's exactly the, uh, the tenor of the coverage of this group in recent, uh, in recent years. And you'll see that the EU actually delisted them as a terrorist group back in 2009, but, uh, but now the U.S. is, is, well, there's some very influential people like Tom Ridge and many, many others, uh, some of the old neocon crowd, uh, getting behind this MEK terrorist organization because they're fighting against Iran. And the latest twist and turn in this story is this bizarre one. Uh, I'm taking it from nationalpost.com, but it's all over the place. Uh, Friends of MEK warn of massacre in the offing, and it says, quote, Brigadier General David Phillips is the former commander of all U.S. military police operations in Iraq and served as the expert on all police and security operations for General David Petraeus, while Petraeus commanded American forces in that country. Today, Phillips is calling on Washington to forestall what he fears is a potential massacre in the making at a place called Camp Ashraf, located in Iraq. Camp Ashraf is home to 3,400 members of the People's Mujahideen Organization of Iran, also known as MEK. Iranian dissidents General, uh, Iranian dissidents General Phillips credits with having alerted the world to Iran's nuclear program, as well as saving his life. Et cetera, et cetera. So now there's, uh, there, there's these 3,400 members of MEK at Camp Ashraf and, oh, there's so, there's all this worry there's going to be a bush, butchering of them, a massacre, so we have to send in U.S. forces to help protect them. And, and there's this big story developing, oh, what's going to happen? And it, it, you, the more you look into it, the more surreal it gets. There's actually a website now, delistmek.com, that's all devoted to this, all this pro-MEK propaganda about how this group is just a wonderful group of, freedom fighters, and they're so awesome, and we must do everything to protect them. And it's uh, got breathless daily updates about the situation at Camp Ashraf, etc. But absolutely, the place to go about this, to really expose what's going on here, is an absolutely essential Land Destroyer report from December of 2011. LandDestroyer.blogspot.com exposed U.S. troops' guarded terrorist camp in Iraq. And this uh, article starts by saying, in a move that almost defies belief, It's so brazen and hypocritical, many will not believe it, no matter how many State Department officials confirm it. The U.S. has been guarding a terrorist training camp inside Iraq with U.S. troops and is planning to relocate them, possibly in a freshly abandoned U.S. military base in Iraq, while D.C. lobbyists work feverishly to have them delisted, armed, and sent to conduct terrorist operations in Iran." And this is exactly the name of the game, friends. This is exactly how it works. They arm, they fund, they train, and they protect these terrorists. They get them stirred up, and they send them and direct them towards whatever the boogeyman of the moment might be, so that they don't have to do the dirty work. These organizations do it for them, and right now, M-E-K slash M-K-O, or whatever you want to call them, are definitely the cutouts in this operation. So we'll continue breaking down Terror by Proxy right after this break.
1: You know it's time to get the bastards, Roger Cruises, Freemasons, you know the people in the shadows,
0: as you see, Maxville Players, the hour of illumination, few and unknown, many and unknown. Alright, friends, alright, welcome back to the broadcast. We're here on Corbett Report Radio tonight on Republic Broadcasting going over terror by proxy. The use of cutouts and puppet groups to go after your enemies so you don't have to get your hands dirty. And that's exactly what we can see with the use and puppeteering of this M.E.K. slash M.K.O. group of, well, at the very best, you could say, is useful idiots, uh, people who will just do the dirty work and will do these assassinations f- at the behest of Israel and the U.S. and the uh, NATO powers that want to have their way in Iran. And uh, and it just, I mean, the more you look into this organization and the people behind it, the, the crazier and creepier it gets. Uh, you can't believe some of the people who are behind this, or maybe you can, unfortunately. Uh, former FBI Director Louis Free and uh, former Vermont Governor Howard Dean and former New York Mayor, or is that America's Mayor, Rudolph Giuliani and Wesley Clark and Lee Hamilton and all of these usual characters of the inside-the-beltway elite, ha-ha-ha. Absolutely, just getting behind and on this bandwagon to delist the Mujahideen E-Kalq, the terrorist organization, but they're our terrorists, and they're going after those Iranians, so they must be good guys. And just more examples of how crazy all this is, uh, there's a good one on foreignpolicy.com. It's called the MEK is the New Code Pink, and it shows a hearing on Capitol Hill about the delisting of this organization, and it shows about 50 people who clearly have been paid to wear these shirts and just sit at the hearing and are all sitting there in a a row wearing these yellow shirts that say D-List, M-E-K. It's such a ridiculous photo op. But there you go. That's the level at which the American uh, political system functions at these days, unfortunately. Another great place to go for information about this group and what's really behind it uh, it comes from all places. Who can ever tell where good information is going to come from? But from all places, the Sunday Review of the New York Times, a uh, post by Elizabeth Rudin, uh, who wrote an article called An Iranian Cult and Its American Friends. And it starts by marveling at how people like Howard Dean and Rudolph Giuliani are singing the praises of this group. And uh, they, uh, the a writer is saying, do, do these people know anything about this group or where it comes from or what they've done? And it has some good background on the group, uh, including this, quote, During the Iran-Iraq war in the 1980s, the group served as Miss, Mr. Hussein's own private militia, opposing the theocratic government in Tehran. For two decades, he gave the group money, weapons, jeeps, and military bases along the border with Iran. In return, the Rahavis, the MEK, pledged their fealty. In 1991, when Mr. Hussein crushed a Shiite uprising in the south and attempted to carry out a genocide against the Kurds in the north, the Rahavis and their army joined his forces in mowing down fleeing Kurds. Mr. Rahavi told, Ms. Rahavi told her disciples, "'Take the Kurds under your tanks and save your bullets for the Iranian Revolutionary Guards.'" Many followers escaped in disgust. So the Rahavis then began preying on Iranian refugees and asylum seekers in Europe to fill their ranks. The Rahavis promised them salaries, marriage, family, freedom, and a great cause, fighting the Iranian government. Then the unwitting youths arrived in Iraq. What is most disturbing is how the group treats its members. After the Iran Iraq war, M- Mr. Rahavi orchestrated an ill planned offensive, deploying thousands of young men and women into Iran on a mass martyrdom operation. Instead of capturing Iran, as they believed they would, thousands of them were slaughtered, including parents, husbands, and wives of those whom I met in Iraq in 2003. After my visit, I met and spoke to men and women who had escaped from the group's clutches. Many had to be deprogrammed. They recounted how people were locked up if they disagreed with the leadership or tried to escape. Some were even killed. And it just goes on and on from there, just uh, the bizarreness behind this group that suddenly is the cause celeb of the Washington Beltway Insider set, and they're being touted as if this is some great freedom-fighting, freedom-loving organization that really is this bizarre cult where everyone has to dress the same and uh, people have to go on these martyrdom operations. And uh, it's just uh, creepy and weird. And just uh, one indication of that comes from that uh, foreign policy article we were talking about. The MEK is the new new code pink. And writing about that hearing where these people showed up to wear these yellow D-list MEK shirts at the hearing, uh, it says here, we overheard one staffer at the hearing quip, when your critics allege you were a cult, you probably shouldn't dress like one which I thought was at least a good one-liner. But uh, but absolutely, it's just a bizarre, bizarre thing. And it's one of those things where they just want the headline itself to get out there. I don't think they want people to really look into this group or who's behind it or what it says or what it does or any of its history or anything uh, of substance. They just want the idea that this is some kind of freedom-fighting group that should be delisted as a terrorist organization. And, of course, a lot of money and a lot of Washington star power is going into getting this done. And I have no doubt that it will be, if not under Obama, at least under the Republican puppet who will be ushered in next, uh, whoever that may be at this point so i i think this is a group to keep your eye on mek also known as mko there's lots of other names that it goes by as you've seen in today's broadcast so far but but it is absolutely one of the organizations that peels back the uh, the veil on this terror by proxy this concept that people can uh, can get, basically uh, do terrorist attacks for you. You don't have to do them. You can, you can get assassinate Iranian citizens. You can do all of these things. You just have to fund, arm, train, equip, and protect the group that's going to do it. And uh, with the MEK, that's exactly, precisely what's been happening. And of course, once again, this is something that we've seen over and over and over before in history, so it's absolutely nothing new. But on that note, I think that's it for the Terror by Proxy part of tonight's broadcast. And after the break, we will have our old friend James Evan Palato of FoodWorldOrder.com to go over food, health, and environment issues. So once again, stay tuned right there as we get into all of the, well, worrying news coming from that world of food and environment. And we'll be back with more right after this.
2: Security will prevail, as sure as I am the president.
1: President Jimmy Carter. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth.
0: Corbett Report Radio, I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we're talking to James Evan Pilato of FoodWorldOrder.com. And uh, we're going to go into foodworldorder.com and the latest in food health and environment. So many stories to go over, we'll have to cram it all down our throats, so to speak. But uh, James, before we do, I in the first half of this broadcast, I was talking about M-E-K and M-K-O, or whatever you want to call them, and Terror by Proxy. And uh, of course, this is something that we covered on New World next week as well, a while ago. So uh, So any thoughts on the whole Terror by Proxy idea?
1: I think the note that I made back on that New World Next Week episode, which, which again, I just kind of chatted to you. I was like, hey, we, we covered this. It was back in just just December, so just a couple months ago. Funding Terror is, is the, the title we gave it. And I think I noted on there, as you did here, that the confusion of M-E-K or M-K-O, again, I think probably to the average person who hears their nightly corporate news in the background it's like, oh, it's all—it's just all those terrorists, right, you know, that it's just they know it and hear it, and it kind of goes away, and it's an easily confusing and confusable thing. Exactly other, right. And, and to my mind, that's,
0: that seems almost like, I, I, I don't know if it's planned that way, but it could certainly be used that way. If they do a bad thing, you know, they could be the MKO. If they do a good thing, they could be the MEK or vice versa or whatever, so that people don't even realize it's the same people. So that's right. the level of Orwellian doublespeak we're talking about. But anyway, sorry to derail it. Let's go into the Food World Order, because there's so much to go over tonight.
1: Well, the, I was going to say, I also quipped to you there, kind of off mic, that I find it interesting that it's M-K-O. That's, you know, they're the ultra-terrorist organization. <laughs> <laughs> Foodworldorder.com is only growing more and more, and... Uh, I think we have a, a new contributor that's going to write pieces. Actually, I've, I've got a link to it, and we'll get to it in the in the binge and purge at the end of a new contributor whose first contribution blew me away. So, so I love the support and all the things that again, James, you and I were basically one man bands, and we just try and connect and help each other, kind of share information and and maybe a, a helping hand in in different ways and shapes and forms like morgan lesko of wiki world order who helps host the videos i make out of these appearances on his youtube channel and just all those kind of ways we're able to kind of share around I, th- I think is a is a great helpful thing absolutely agreed and
0: hats off to morgan for doing that it's uh it's definitely a big help because of course youtube won't let me upload anything more than 15 minutes and they probably never will so i'm glad there are other people out there that can help with that
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they haven't done it yet, I don't guess they're really gonna let us have it. But it's it, it's growing and getting larger, and it's and it's exciting. So there are a lot of things posted, and I think we can kind of touch on all, almost all of them. And and again, for folks, foodrollorder dot com. We can now send out episodes through iTunes. So again, another thing that is problematical on some levels for for folks. James, I know you have your iTunes or hassles that again that's why we put things out on all these other different ways and that's where you know we'll put new world next week up on blip and on archive and on youtube and on your corporate report servers because one thing is going to ultimately and, and i
0: should mention now also on daily motion and uh and blip uh, my own blip blip dot tv slash corporate report so it's up there in about six different ways now
1: I'd I'd forgotten that as I was grabbing and and linking up your latest videos as I was scrolling through. I did, now that you say that, subconsciously noticed that I was like, hey, that's a daily motion video. (sighs) So we'll just keep using as many different ways as as we can. So needless to say, James, there's a lot posted on foodworldorder.com, but we'll begin with one that we only referenced towards the end of last week's show And I think the headline we mentioned last week was, you know, studies show animal carcinogen in soft drinks. This story updated pretty quickly, but, again, I haven't heard a whole lot about it, you know, beyond just a couple of things I have linked up from Sky News, you know, the phone-hacking Murdoch News Corp operation. Coke and Pepsi to change the recipe to avoid a caramel color cancer warning on their labels. Coca-Cola and Pepsi are changing the recipes for their soft drinks to avoid being forced by law to put a cancer warning on the label. The caramel coloring in the drinks will contain lower levels of 4-methylamozidol, with a Wikipedia link for you to read about that wonderful bit, which has been added to the list of carcinogens in California law. Coca-Cola's recipe is being changed across the U.S., but will not be changed in Britain or the rest of Europe. An interesting phenomenon that I'll, I'll, I'll mention here, too, is that it's kind of a trend to get glass bottled Coke and Pepsi from Mexico because they don't have high fructose corn syrup in them. They actually have real sugar in them. So they're kind of a cool, trendy thing to get the glass, you know, Mexican versions of sodas. So they're changing the recipe to avoid as as many folks out there may have seen on different products or heard it said, you know, like NutraSweet and all that crap. You know, this product is known by, you know, to the state of California and calls cancer in lab rats. So to avoid that, Coke and Pepsi are changing their recipe. So I yeah, again, I don't expect to see very much fanfare surrounding that here in the states, but there it is. Yeah, I, I know, I hate to be cynical about every story,
0: but I, I just can't help it. I mean, there is, I suppose, something good about this. It will be slightly less cancerous and disgusting and, and terrible for your body, and it will have some slight effect on the overall health of the uh, the vast hordes of zombies out there who continue swilling their coke, But uh, but ultimately, I mean... What is the, the, all this does is, is in a way type, kind of re-legitimizes, oh look, the government can come in and it can protect the people and it's the savior. When once again, of course, I mean, anyone who's drinking Coca-Cola and expecting it to be a healthy drink that doesn't cause cancer and all of these other things probably doesn't quite understand the way this uh, system works. So, uh, so to my mind, I mean, what's, what's the good of this, really? I mean, it'll, it'll be slightly less
1: uh, deadly than before. Well, I guess well, that's a good thing. You know, why would Coke and Pepsi lie to you? You know, you've been drinking it ever since the vending machines were in your schools because the schools, you know, didn't have any money by design, so they took on these corporate, you know, it's all by design. So, yeah, that's it. And who
0: can tell me what's nine times seven?
1: Coca-Cola? Partial credit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We, I mean, for the most part here, you know, one, we've got our big Berkey water filter. So that's a huge part of, you know, our, our drinking, you know, intake. And then, you know, we've, I think we mentioned it on the show, right? We, we dumped to doing San Pellegrino, nice, you know, fizzy water in the glass bottle from Italy. And we're like, Oh, Nestle owns that. So we moved to at least a, a local company. Natural Directions, which is owned by Western Family, which is based in Portland, Oregon. Right. And then let's be clear
0: for the audience out there, we're not sponsored by anyone. We're not getting any money for any of this. We're just telling people what we do so that you know that uh, what, what we're doing so that we're not up here in a cloud preaching down to people.
1: No, th- no, thank you. And and I actually I I could and should probably do much more, you know, kind of disclaimers on on my shows and episodes. It's like I'm going to talk about a ton of, you know, references and films and movies and people and food and companies that doesn't necessarily mean I endorse them. So yeah, thank you for that caveat. But, you know, we're as talking about the water wars basically from Coke to thinking, well, okay, well, I'll just drink my own water at home. Nitrate contamination threatens California's drinking water. I I think it's been said that perhaps the water wars may really be what happens before the the food wars. But from civileats.com, they note the Food and Environment Reporting Network, that's Fern, haha, .org, the first and only independent nonprofit nonpartisan news organization that blah, 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 they've pushed and published their third report, and I think it's in conjunction with uh, UC Davis, which actually I think is where our friend Morgan Lesko is. And it was first released on MSNBC, but it's called Farming Communities Facing Crisis Over Nitrate Pollution, study says. Reporter takes a deep dive into a new study by UC Davis that reveals that nitrate contamination is severe and getting worse for hundreds of thousands of people in California's farming communities. The most comprehensive assessment so far to date, the report also reveals that agriculture is the main source of 96% of nitrate pollution. James, this, you know, we could break it down or look at it on a number of levels you could look at it and say, well, ultimately they want to affect and change the way people eat. But you could also look at it and go, well, yeah, it is the factory farming. It is all that land. It is all that feed that it takes to make a cow, to make, you know, the little tiny percent that you get back on the end of it being a burger. That is ultimately destructive. But I'm not ready to, you know, Sign on to any one party line, but even when you know you try and step out of one box and stop drinking soda and you want to drink your own water, you realize, like we've discussed again on New World Next Week in our own shows, there's also the drugs and the pharmaceuticals and the rocket fuel and what else? Oh, <laughs>
0: what else? The uh, fluorosilicic acid, aka oh. sodium fluoride in quotation marks. Oh yeah, no.
1: I even for, kind of forget that it's, one. That's yeah, kind of the, the that main concern. one.
0: No, uh, absolutely. And and you include a handy-dandy graphic with this uh, post that I hope people will go and take a look at that shows the the sources of nitrate pollution. And of course, what is the vast majority? What is the the, uh, the biggest source of the pollution? It's synthetic fertilizer. And uh so what do they suggest? Oh, well, if we have this gene revolution and use biotech and GMOs, they won't require as much fertilizer, so it'll be better. And, of course, the exact opposite turns out to be the case, and study after study shows that GMO foods require more fertilizers, not less. So they're just polluting the planet more and more, and now they're polluting the genome itself and trying to play God with it. And, uh, we're going to be living with the consequences of that unless we do, as, as we've stressed here numerous times, do what we can to try to get off that system and to avoid GMO foods in every way possible. And what is the name of that resource online that people can go to find out if their food is GMO or not?
1: Oh, is it, uh, uh, non-GMO
0: project? Org? that's it right is that the is that the address i don't want to give out the wrong address but yes whatever that is we'll put a link in for tonight's okay. ab- episode so to <laughs> yes it. non-gmo project.org not- that's it okay so go there to uh, start checking on some of your food and just don't buy any of the gmo garbage that they want to
2: put
1: in you so james continuing and in- Speaking of dealing with, you know, the consequences of things, just this past Sunday, of course, was the one year anniversary of Fukushima, which we noted last week, which of course you were, were there, you know, doing ama- amazing work in Osaka last week. But on the anniversary, I posted on Food World Order, uphill struggle for food exporters on Fukushima's first anniversary, and got that from japantimes.co.jp. But it's also, I I added in a couple other bits related to and, and actually coming from Oregon. So there's one from KTVL, A Night for Japan, a benefit was held in southern Oregon. And another one from Register Guard, which actually sources back to the New York Times, but they're specifically, explicitly discussing the Oregon coast a year later effects of japan's disaster still unfolds and james i know you and i have you know time and time again not only discussed fukushima but now we have recently mentioned of course awaiting the arrival of you know this this toxic debris perhaps uh yes it's not a question of if but
0: when so um I guess you on the west coast of the U.S. have that to look forward to. And, of course, here in Japan, we're not only dealing with the uh, the food supply, which is obviously a huge concern, but also the uh, the debris that's being burnt and scattered around Japan. So it's all part of the
1: fun. You know, that actually reminds me of a sidebar note. I just picked up the latest issue of one of our free local weekly papers, the Portland Mercury, and their cover story is The First Four Minutes. And it's the breakdown of the upcoming catastrophic Portland earthquake, as they say, the Pacific Northwest, you know, within the next 50 years is due for, you know, their big one. So they use the Fukushima anniversary to kind of lay out this, you know, you are there kind of scenario where, you know, in the first few seconds, and they, of course, it's based on studies, you know, about Portland. And they tell us, you know, which bridges will collapse and which things probably won't make it. And it's it's a pretty kind of frightening piece and And, again, it always kind of constantly reminds me, and and my girlfriend even and I, even after looking at it, we were like, so, again, you know, we kind of reminded each other of, like, what's our kind of panic bit? Like, we're meeting, you know, at X location and doing this and that, right? Because that's the thing, you know. We can talk and talk and talk about this, and I think my friend Clyde Lewis kind of says this, and you said it in the same kind of way, that, you know, gosh, when's the police state going to get here? It's here we've pretty much seen it it's it's set up but it's the where the frog boiling as has been noted quite well
0: that's it and and absolutely your story is one that resonates obviously with people here in japan who are always wondering well you know the big ones uh, do any day now you know when's they going to happen and of course there was one last year so it could happen anytime and that's why people have to be prepared and of course to say for example in japan or in california or in Washington to be prepared for a, 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 an earthquake, a, you know, the big one or whatever. That No one would make fun of that. But pr- preparing for, you know, economic collapse, oh, then you're a prepper and, oh, we have to make fun of you. So, so it gets spun off into that ridiculous spin.
1: James, I think I can blast through some of the other posts before the end of this segment and we'll get to the binge and purge. But there's a quick bit on, of course, the South by Southwest conference is going on. Food Porn Goes Digital, getting into, of course, you know, the digital sharing of food, which is kind of a fascinating bit, and I've taken pictures. We've taken pictures of some of the great home-cooked meals we've made. I don't think I've gone so far as to share them online, but, but that is there, and it does have the unfortunate word there of food porn. Um, Eric Schlosser, the author of Fast Food Nation, that the original book, it's 10 years old now, and he wrote a piece that's on thedailybeast.com that basically says, I wish I could tell you, I wrote this book and it, you know, everybody, it all changed, but it's only worse. McDonald's only makes even more, you know, it's just, it's, it's gotten more of the same. I've got bits from Reuters about better supplies to drive world food prices in 2012. Stories about U.S. scientists warning the EPA about Monsanto corn root worm. And that's from Dawn Magazine, dawn.com. And James, the binge and purge, we can blast through in the final segment if you want. Anything there you want to take or leave?
0: Uh, I'll leave it for now. Why don't we start with the binge and purge and we can finish up after the break.
1: As has been noted here, I think by both of us, we've been adding in more of things from, from around the world of health and the environment. And there has been this story of... The Curious Case of Teen Ticks in LeRoy, New York. The mysterious, or rather the mystery of 18 twitching teenagers in LeRoy. And this is a story I've kind of been interested in from the beginning, and now it involves the real-life Aaron Brockovich and possible chemical weapons and spills and hysteria. The photo that I added, which is interesting, it shows one of the girls suffering from these unexplained ticks that's compared to sort of like a Tourette's except they also have physical spasms as well. The photo pictures this girl who has black eyes from hitting herself in the face. It's got Fruit Loops and Lucky Charms in the background, kind of giving you the idea that's like, oh, well, maybe this, you know, maybe she had too many Lucky Charms, and that's why these girls are all experiencing this. It's just, you yeah. know, blame the victims. Hysteria. Always blame the victims. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well on that note, we will take a short break and we'll be back to finish up with Food World Order. And also there's a caller on the line, so we'll go to your call after this. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Stay right there, we'll be right back. The move
1: it makes, another chance it takes. Odds are he won't live to see tomorrow. Afghanistan, Afghanistan. Vietnamese Vietnam. Our in Vietnam, in a rocky land. we bombed them all. White phosphorus and napalm too. Bunker busters, daisy colors. we bombed them all, for
0: bombed them all. And of course, by we, we don't mean you and me and the average person out there. We mean the bought and paid for political puppets who are commandeering the governments of the world in the name of the banksters who are really pulling the strings that's what it's all about. And tonight we're going over the Food World Order with James Evan dot foodworldorder.com. But we do have one caller on the line, so let's go to him quickly before we finish up with Binge and Purge. Werner in New Brunswick, good to have you on the program again. What's on your mind tonight?
2: Yeah, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, uh, earlier you mentioned about the nitrogen pollution of the uh, drinking water. I think uh, there's another uh, uh, aspect that has to be taken into consideration, and that is... Uh, I understand there are roughly about uh, 20 million barrels of uh, uh, crude oil are being consumed every day in the United States alone. Most of the uh, crude oil is being, uh, is being burned, you know, for, for fuel in vehicles, home heating, and so on. Now, wherever you got a combustion process, you got the oxidization of atmospheric nitrogen. This is one source of nitrogen pollution, that is not being taken into consideration.
0: It certainly is. That's a good point. Anything else?
2: Well, and as I say, you know about uh, agriculture. Uh, well, uh, the uh, modern uh, science has been shut down the farmers, whether they want it or not. You know.
0: Unfortunately, and, true. Uh, it's trying to get them the on the system. Yeah, I hear you. All right, Werner, thank you so much for the call. All right, James, let's finish up with that binge and purge, foodworldorder.com once again for all of these, so you can go into them at more length and depth in your own time. But let's uh, finish up just running down
1: the list of stories here. for People to go check out when we go over things that are, you know, really in the pop culture sphere. There's this new book series and movie called The Hunger Games that I think is a fascinating allegory for what's really going down There is, again, more about the mysterious, you know, teen ticks in New York, more about the pink slime. I really want to point folks to, again, the new article contribution that is originally at the moment posted on goodbyecanada.blogspot.com from a new contributor to Food World Order, Gut Brain Manipulation, Fertility Fear-Mongering, and it is a fascinating piece James, there's bits on seed catalogs and so much more. And also on my Twitter feed, using hashtag food world order, there's a note about Nature's Path, which is a cereal company that I dig out of Blaine, Washington. They gave $650,000 to the non-GMO project saying, you know, they're putting their money where their mouth is. So they are uh, a member of the non-GMO project that we mentioned earlier. So that and, and so many other things are available on foodworldorder.com and in the media monarchy kingdom at large.
0: Indeed, and I'm uh, intrigued by that headline, Got Camel Milk, but I haven't brought myself to actually look at that story yet, so maybe I'll, actually, I'll muster up the courage.
1: <laughs> well, it's actually been noted to perhaps help in autistic kids is what cool. it's about.
0: Well. There you go. I'm, I'm going to check it out. And uh, I understand you have a new mixtape that you might want to let people know about.
1: I do, because it actually does relate to the sort of water situation and, and weaves throughout you know, the story. But it's Media Monarchy Mixtape 15. It's on the top of MediaMonarchy.com. It's called Pacific Lifeline, and I'm an old college radio DJ, so the media and the monarchy, that's, that's what I do.
0: That's what it's about, MediaMonarchy.com, and, of course, FoodWorldOrder.com, HolyHexes.com, CyberspaceWar.com. And I hope people tune into New World next week. We've just got our newest episode up in the last few hours here. So, once again, plates full, uh, as always. So thank you once again for keeping us abreast of all the food health and environment issues. And on that note, we're going to say adieu for another night, but I will be back in 23 hours here on Corbett Report Radio. Thanks again for your time, and until, t- t- until tomorrow night, take care, and thanks for listening.